0: That's BetterH-E-L-P dot com. Grammar Girl here. Hi, I'm Mignon Fogarty, and this week I have a quick and dirty tip about the word matriculate. A meaty middle about diminutives, words such as doggy and mozzie. That's what I hear Australians call mosquitoes, mozzies. And finally, a tidbit about the difference between crocodiles and alligators, because I kept mixing them up. And now, on to matriculating. Matriculate is most commonly used as a verb. It means to enroll in or be admitted to a group, such as a college, university, or program. It does not mean to graduate. When matriculate is used as a verb, it's usually followed by a preposition, such as at, into, or to— Matriculate at seems to be the most common phrase, as in Emily matriculated at Ohio State this year. Sometimes matriculate is also used as a noun to refer to someone who's been admitted to a program, as in he's a matriculate at the university. But according to Oxford dictionaries, such use is chiefly limited to Indian English. And that was your quick and dirty tip. In American English, matriculating is what a lot of students are doing this month, starting school. And now onto the meaty middle about diminutives. Words like doggy, first names like Bill, and pet names like Sweetie Pie. Diminutives indicate that an item is smaller than something else, for example, or are used to show affection between partners or toward children or pets. In other situations, using a diminutive or pet name might be considered inappropriate. Keep listening to find out when you shouldn't use a diminutive. The word diminutive means small, and diminutives often express smallness. A piglet, for example, is smaller than a pig, and a cigarette is shorter and narrower than a cigar. In English, you often create a diminutive by adding a suffix. Common diminutive suffixes include y and ie, which are pronounced the same, let and kin, and oc and z. Diminutives made with these suffixes include billy, coverlet, munchkin, hillock, and onesie. Many diminutive words in English originate from French and use the diminutive suffixes et and ette. A short list is eyelet, tablet, and midget with the et suffix, and suffragette, majorette, kitchenette, and coquette with the ette suffix. Another way to form diminutives is to chop off the end of a word in casual speech. Television turns into telly if you're in Britain. You can use the barbie from barbecue in Australia. You can be anywhere when you say bike instead of bicycle or auto in place of automobile. Diminutives are for people's names as well as for everyday words. The most common diminutive first names in English are simply shortened forms of the original name— often the first syllable or sound, as in Deb for Deborah or Mike for Michael. Other shortened names originate from the middle or end of the name, as in Beth for Elizabeth or Drew for Andrew. Rhyming nicknames also crop up a lot. Men named Robert used to be known as Rob, Hob, Dob, or Nob. Interestingly, although a Hob, Dob, and Knob are no longer used this way, we do have last names related to these nicknames, such as Hobson and Dobson, and of course Bob rhymes with Rob. We also have Bill and Will for William and Rick and Dick for Richard. Yet other first names originated because of problems individuals once had or currently have with pronunciation, especially children— For example, the difficult Norman R sound in medieval English names was often dropped or changed. Likewise, the T-H sound was often changed, according to the website BehindTheName.com. Examples are Babs for Barbara, Molly for Mary, and Dot for Dorothy. In addition, young children might have problems pronouncing an older sibling's name. Two real-world examples that come to mind are Sussa for Samantha and Mo for Samara. As previously mentioned, the Y and I-E suffixes commonly create diminutives, and there are countless first names with these suffixes. A line from the film Good Will Hunting illustrates how common such names are. The character Will, undoubtedly short for William, is trying to impress a woman in a bar and rattles off the names of his 12 fake brothers Marky, Ricky, Danny, Terry, Mikey, Davey, Timmy, Tommy, Joey, Robbie, Johnny, and Brian— this pretend Brian is an exception here, though if he were real, his siblings would likely nickname him Bry. Girls' names ending in Y or I-E are also abundant, as in Sally, Becky, Millie, Minnie, Evie, and Connie. Connie is often short for Constance, although Bonnie is definitely not short for Bonstance, as someone once asked the Bonnie who wrote this piece, oh, the horror. English isn't the only language to use diminutives, especially in names let's cover just a few other languages. In Italian, we have Eno, Ina, Eto, and Etta, as in Giorgino and Simonetta. The French have several diminutive suffixes, such as the already mentioned E-T-T-E, as well as Ein, On, Ot, and Ot, which give us names like Jeanette, Menon, and Margot. Other foreign diminutive suffixes include Shah and Ya in Russian, and so you'll hear Misha for Mikhail and Kolya for Nikolai, Ito and Ita in Spanish, which yield names like Carlito and Juanita, and In and On in Irish, leading to Kevin and Aiden. As we've said, diminutives can indicate tenderness, love, endearment, or familiarity, and there's even a fancy word for it—hypokerism— This means a pet name, the practice of using a pet name, or the use of forms of speech imitative of baby talk, especially by an adult. Interestingly, Ned is an example of a name that originates from affection. The medieval affectionate name Mine Edward, Mine Ed, was later reinterpreted as My Ned. Other examples formed this way are Nancy from Mine Anne, which first turned into Nan, and Nell from Mine Ellen. Which listeners admit to talking to a beloved pet in a high-pitched voice and maybe calling it something like Sweetie Cakes? Or perhaps you're the parent of a boy named Timothy, and you shorten it to Tim, and then sometimes Timmy. We've all done it. It's even more likely you've used a pet name in a romantic relationship. An interesting Scientific American blog post discusses various studies that have analyzed relationship satisfaction and pet names. The blog quotes one study author as saying, quote, Names like Honey, Baby, Babe, and Sweetheart connote a special intimacy that's reserved for your significant other. Most couples tell me they're shocked or know something is wrong in their relationship when a partner actually calls them by their actual name and not their nickname. Unquote. Romance must be delicious because many pet names, both in English and other languages, are also names of sweet foods. For example, in France, your significant other might call you ma putti Chou, which means my little cabbage or cream puff. In Russia, you might hear veshenka, which means cherry. And in the Netherlands, your boyfriend could call you drapie, which means candy. In several situations, you should probably refrain from using a pet name or diminutive. Many parents call their children by a diminutive, such as Ricky and Annie, which is fine for a two-year-old, however, not necessarily okay for older offspring. As the children get closer to adulthood, they may prefer to sound more grown-up and want to be known by their full name. Parents certainly should not address their six-foot-tall adult son as Jakey-Poo in public or maybe even in private, especially if he requests that mom and dad stop calling him that. Other privately used monikers, such as stud muffin, should also stay private. If you let that slip in front of others, especially in front of a boss, a waiter, or his parents, the man in your life will likely be rightfully angry or embarrassed. You might be surprised to learn that diminutives can be used for evil as well as good— one style guide states that, quote, a diminutive is a word or name that indicates smallness, youth, familiarity, affection, or contempt, unquote. Some women, for example, object to the use of honey and other diminutive names. They feel that these words are condescending, and they request that their significant others not use them. In addition, as women have increasingly pressed for gender equality, they've spoken up about the sometime male habit of calling them by pet names that seem to place them on a lower rung, especially at work. There's a famous scene in the 1982 movie Tootsie where Dustin Hoffman's character pretends to be a woman so he can get acting work. He becomes Dorothy Michaels, and she says to a man who's been demeaning her at work, I have a name it's Dorothy, not Tootsie or Toots or Sweetie or Honey or Doll. Upon hearing this, the man she's speaking to swears. And so she continues, no, just Dorothy. Alan's always Alan, Tom's always Tom, and John's always John. I have a name too. It's Dorothy, capital D-O-R-O-T-H-Y, Y." And so if you want to call a submarine sandwich a sub, go right ahead and no one will complain. But if you're addressing a person with something other than a full first name, make sure he or she is cool with it. That piece was written by Bonnie Mills, who blogs at SentenceSleuth.blogspot.com and is the author of The Curious Case of the Misplaced Modifier. And now on to the tidbit. I asked Samantha Enslin to write this one because I kept getting these two animals confused. Is an alligator the same thing as a crocodile? If you're writing a story about a green-toothy beast, can you swap one term for the other? In short, no, you cannot. Alligators and crocodiles are part of the same scientific class, reptilia, and order, crocodilia. To you or me, they look pretty similar, but the two creatures have distinct physical differences that set them apart. For example, you wouldn't want your novel to feature an alligator attack in a saltwater lagoon, Although crocodiles are built to tolerate salt water, alligators can only stand it for short periods of time. The two animals also have different mouth shapes. You'd describe an alligator as having a wide U shaped snout. A crocodile, however, you'd describe as having a pointy V shaped nose. Crocs also have an underbite and alligators don't. You could describe the lower teeth of a croc as jutting upward over its lip, but that description wouldn't work for an alligator. These are only a few of the differences between these creatures. If you're curious, you can read a longer article about them at quickanddirtytips.com. So that's your tidbit. Alligators and crocs are related, but they are two distinct creatures. If you want to be precise in your writing, make sure you refer to the right one. That piece was written by Samantha Enslin, who runs Dragonfly Editorial. You can find her at dragonflyeditorial.com or on Twitter as Dragonfly Edit. And I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. That's all. Thanks for listening. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay